0: morning Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14. Once again I'm going to read the whole section here beginning at verse 10 to get set the context. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of the darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith, which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, and with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Now... Breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to just give a basic some basic definitions here. <clears throat> righteousness is the the state of being just or morally pure, whether in one's own strength or on the basis of imputed virtue, or you could call it imputed virtue moral excellence, and we'll explain that. <clears throat> imputed righteousness, which could also be called positional righteousness, okay is an act of God assigning to believers the righteousness of Christ. And see, that's an extremely important thing to, that we get. This, this truth about God's imputed righteousness. Um, <clears throat> well, let's just go in at Romans 5. but It'll explain itself as we walk through some of these verses. And I think the importance will be become uh, more and more obvious as we move along, too. Five, Romans 5, 12 through 21. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now that one man is, of course, Adam. Okay? <clears throat> For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. The type of him who was to come is a reference to Messiah, Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, it says, well, well, yeah, well, imputed and all that. Well, even though there was no law, but yet, death reigned from Adam until Moses. Remember, it was during the time of Moses that God gave the law to mankind through Moses. Yet, death reigned. Why? Because even without the law, let you know, listing these commandments, people were still sinning. Go back and read the story of. The flood. <laughs> it was one of the most sinful times in human history. So sinful that God destroyed the human population, except for eight people. So sin nevertheless reigned. Sin reigned, all right, because man is a sinner. We are sinners by nature. That's the, the thing with Adam. When Adam fell, the human race fell because both Adam and Eve sinned, and at that point in time, that was the human race. And so now everybody they produce, and their offspring throughout the ages pick up that same sin nature. That's why David in Psalm fifty-one says, "I was conceived in sin." Okay, right off the bat, you're—it's part of our genes. Okay, and then verse. Uh, let's move to fifteen. But, and this is important here. This but the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. Some key words pop up here. We all know them, but I want to, especially this group here, I'm sure everybody knows these things, but I just want to point it out, just to emphasize a little bit. For the transgression of the one, that's the sin of Adam, the many died just like I was telling you, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace. Grace, what does grace mean? Unmerited, Unmerited unearned favor, God right? At Christ's expense. Yes. <laughs> the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the The gift of the one man, is that gift of salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, not of your own doing, right? And verse 16, In the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from the transgression resulting in condemnation. Okay, that's definitely not what the grace of God's all about. It's just the opposite. But on the other hand, the free gift arose arose from many transgression, resulting in justification. Verse 17, For if by the transgression of one death reign through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of, check this, the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Okay, again, that imputed righteousness is part of that gift. We are made right, and that righteousness, is like uh, R.C. Sproul used to say, that's an, a, an alien righteousness. That's a foreign righteousness. That's not our righteousness. That is that righteousness is part of that gift of salvation. It's imputed. It's that imputed righteousness. That positional righteousness. That's the righteousness, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but that's the righteousness, the righteousness that's been imputed in us, the righteousness of Christ, is in fact the righteousness that's spoken about in the breastplate righteousness that we must put on. We must live up to that right, to that imputed righteousness by living a righteous life ourselves. Okay? So we'll, we'll get into that more and more, but just kind of looking ahead a little bit. Verse 18, So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness. What was that one act of righteousness? He became obedient even unto death on the cross. That was that one act of righteousness. The result? There resulted justification of life to all men. And again, Justification, important doctrine. It's a forensic term, justification. Think of a legal, think of a courthouse. The ruling comes down from the judge, not guilty. That's our, that's to be justified. Our justification is God ruling to those Jesus died for, not guilty. Okay, tremendous. It's all part of that gift. Verse 19, for as though one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. See, that's it. I was conceived in sin, David said. Even so, through the obedience of the one, that's Christ, the many were made righteous. Were made righteous. And the law came in that <clears throat> in that the transgression might increase. But again, if you look at study of the law or the New Testament, like Paul says, you know, through the law, it, it told me all the sins I didn't even know I was committing. <laughs> you know, that's you know, a paraphrase. But, uh, so th- the law came, the transgressions increased, actually, but where sin increases, grace abounded all the more. You know, and again, there, <clears throat> and that's people that think if, you know, if his grace can cover any sin except the one of unbelief of course yeah and and that's and that is the then that's part of the difference that is being uh adam here being a it's even called a type it's Adam is a type of christ in in reality it's an anti type okay there's types and and symbols in the old testament like Melchizedek was a type of Christ because he was a priest and king, but he was a positive type right a type showing or foreshadowing Christ. Adam is an anti-type. Adam sinned, and therefore, because he sinned, he now by nature is a sinner. And so then all of his offspring take on the nature of the parents. And because the parents were sinners, the children are sinners. It's inherent in all humanity. Now, where this comes in here, the, the opposite side of that, now Christ being the uh, the opposite of Adam, the offspring of Christ, those that believe in Christ, get are re- are recipients of this gift. They are gifted, and it goes right on back to the doctrines of uh, election and all of that. In for he, right back to Ephesians one, the Father chose us all before the foundation of the world, <clears throat> that we should be holy and blameless. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Verse twenty-one: That as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ. And again, justification. We're going to go over this some more. There's down another section is imputed righteousness directly tied to our justification, um, and we're going to see that. I'm going to back up into Romans three, where those that are justified and justification is by what? Faith. And yes, to make a long, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but the, I'll try to shorten it up. Those, 100% of humanity is born in an unsaved condition. We, we And as we grow, we prove it. And then sometime through life, uh, those that eventually become believers will profess faith in Christ, and so by faith, through faith, we are justified. Justification is by faith, and then those who are justified will that one day be glorified, and. Um, Even here in verse
1: <clears> 17, he says much more: those <throat> who receive the abundance of grace.
0: Right And it's that and again, that's, that's a key term there, that the key term in that verse would be those, not all, but those." So there's a portion faith yeah. be sinners.: No, we don't. Yeah. To be sinners comes natural. It doesn't take anything. All you've got to do is breathe air. <laughs> OK? But to become a believer, one must have faith. And that, and that faith comes through the gift. That, that's all part of the gift. Go back to the basic doctrines doctrines of grace, doctrines of salvation. Those that, uh, those that he chose, he gave the ability to believe. He opened the eyes. Maybe we need to go through the doctrine of salvation when they just, verse by verse, concept by concept. Does that answer the question so far? Anyway kind of I'm just, I'm just looking at the logical construction Oh it's not exactly um equal both sides. No and it can't be but, um it's I'm never to understand it. In fact it, is, it I will never yeah. well theologians have been arguing grace the grace of God for centuries there's two major camps, you know, the what they call one one camp is called calvinism, one camp is called arminianism. So there's two big camps here. Well, it presents both sides. It presents both and sides, and but we can't to a, understand for Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There's an interesting book out there called the five po- points of calvinism. If you think you're confused now, go read it. <laughs> But seriously, it's not really as confusing as I might have made it sound. Okay, um, <clears throat> and one day maybe we can go through that. But suffice it to say, the ability to believe is part of the gift. Okay, just to cut it down to the nitty-gritty, as they say. All that is part of the gift. Apart from the grace of God, we wouldn't even have We wouldn't have the faith to believe. Period. And so there's the big difference here. Man by nature is a sinner, and only an act of God changes that situation. And that's all part of the doctrines of grace, which is the doctrine of salvation itself, which involves the work of Christ, the work of the Father, the work of the Spirit, as we'll have been going through for the last three Sundays. It's all all part of that. It's the work of the triune God. So is our sanctification, by the way. <laughs> okay, did that help? No, I. How God does it, how it works out. It's kind of like it's kind of like trying to it's kind of like trying to in, in understand the tr- the Trinity.
1: <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Concerning really that, but until that, I, sure I read good. that book, I really didn't know what it meant to be a tutor. Tutor. Okay, the well, book is a good. In fact, if I can find the book that I have, I'll bring. I can say it. I am so grateful for simple faith <laughs> <laughs> because I like him. I believe in it, <clears throat> and uh, it doesn't confuse me
0: what you're saying. <clears throat> it makes it clear. Okay, and well that's good. That's yes, absolutely. Anyway, thank the Lord. Praise <laughs> Actually, the original. Look at Philippians three nine. This is the original point I'm trying to make, and they. Here's a. I say brevity is the soul of wit. We'll try to summarize this in one verse Philippians 3 9. About that imputed righteousness. Philippians 3 9, Paul says, and may be found in him, that's Christ, not having a righteous, righteousness of his own derived from the law, but which through, is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Again, you know the, it goes, This goes all the way back into the Old Testament. The just Habakkuk, the just will live by faith. Okay, that's the walking part of it. Let's go. Matter of fact, let's go back to Isaiah 61. No, some of this stuff is, it, <clears throat> as far as our human logic goes, many things God does defies that. And again, the, a good example is what Will's been going through for the last few weeks, that, and he only sk- touched on it, the doctrine of the Trinity. There's only, the doctrine of the Trinity defies human logic. There's, the only reason I believe it is because the, the scriptures speak of it. They, they don't use, even without using the word Trinity, they see, oh, oh, Father is God. Yeah, okay. Oh, Son is God. Oh, okay. The Spirit is God. Oh. And Deuteronomy says, here is it, the Lord your God is one Lord. Okay. oh, one God, three persons, Trinity. So don't ask me how that works, how it all works together. But it does. That three persons are actually one God. <laughs> but Anyway. Oh, that's right. Genesis one and Genesis one. Yeah, yeah. Genesis one. Genesis one.
1: It's the first reference
0: to the Trinity, so I mean it's throughout. But anyway, Isaiah sixty-one ten. One one problem passage can lead to many, or not passage, but theology is a fun study, but it is a study. Trust me, it's nothing you learn overnight. It takes a lot of lot of work. Based upon my last, uh, my input there over the last 15 minutes, I need to go restudy it some more too to get it more fluent because it's, it's, it's important. We need to understand these things and communicate these things. Isaiah 61.10, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of righteousness. This is not limited to the new, this concept is as old as salvation itself. Okay, which began back in Genesis 3, by the way. Um, He wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. A bridegroom decks himself as a bridegroom decks himself with with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Okay, let's back up. Genesis 15. Speaking of Genesis... I was really thought we were going to get through this lesson today. It's okay. That's why we're here. Discuss these things. No, it's important. It's important. If we need more discussion, we'll have more discussion. So don't feel bad about asking questions or making comments or, you know, just, just please don't throw anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Genesis 15:6 Then he that's Abraham believed in the Lord and he that's God the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness See that His belief wasn't a thing Abraham did out of righteousness but God reckoned it to him as righteous. That word reckoned could be imputed. You could use that word imputed. Counted, Counted, imputed, yeah. It it went on the... According to the record books, Abraham was righteous. And that's now Romans 4. Back to Romans. Always dangerous. Romans is so loaded. (laughs) And I'll tell you, the book of Romans, quite frankly is a uh, soteriological masterpiece, and that's, that's the, all the dazzling you're going to get for one Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's a masterpiece in discussing the doctrine of salvation. Okay? <coughs> Romans 4, 3 through 9. For what does the Scripture say? And Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him for righteousness or counted to him or imputed to him. Put on the record. Let the record show Abraham as righteous. Okay? Just simple belief. It's belief, faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. See, justification by faith. Everything in terms of salvation is by faith. You know, even, even to the, those that are saved, what do we? We walk by faith matter of fact, faith is going to be one of these armaments that we'll be talking about sooner or later, you know. But uh, verse four, Romans four. Now, to the one who works, his wage it is not reckoned as a favor, but what is due. See, so speaking of earning uh, salvation, no, it's it's you're, it's it's not going to work. I mean, it's it's a wage. It's not. Grace, it's not a gift. Verse 5, But to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. Again, it's by faith, by faith, by faith. Verse 6, Just as David also speaks of the blessings upon the man whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. And that's apart from works. And Again, the discussion in chapter 4 is justification by faith. And he's using Abraham, the father of who is often called the father of faith, as an example of one that was justified apart from the law. Remember, first century, uh, the church, the um, the big the, the single biggest heresy right out of the gate was uh, the Judaizers came in and said, you must, you must keep the law to be saved. I mean, so you see that Acts 15, they had a whole council, church council over the issue. And so that subject pops up in a lot of these uh, in a lot of the epistles because that was a major heresy of that day and while it isn't it is it is today too salvation by works is a heresy today they may not they may not use the mosaic law as their basis of works they just say well if you've lived a good life and it's like a checks and balances uh sorry <laughs> It doesn't work that way, and this this same truth applies to that false doctrine, or today's version of this false doctrine, salvation by works. Verse 7, the words of David are, and this is from Psalm 32, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. And then it just goes on to explain that uh, it's, this, is, this salvation is all a matter of faith, it's not a matter of anybody's works. And once again, giving all the glory and credit for our salvation to God himself. Galatians 3, 6. <clears throat> Paul says to the again, the, the Galatians, they were, they were falling back into this. This is one of the very first letters Paul wrote addressing this problem of salvation by works. Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. We've heard that somewhere before. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Isn't that interesting? Saying, all the nations shall be blessed in you. See, that goes way back to Genesis 12. Matter of fact, his name was Abram when that was first uh that was actually prior to the official Abrahamic covenant being laid down. This is like the form. this is his initial calling where he says, here, take pack up your gear and start walking, I'll and I'll I'll show you where you're gonna wind up, basically. And so he went by faith. And it's 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 alluding to that. And um, let's see, where are we? Verse 8 then, it says, In the Scripture, foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham, and all the nation will be blessed in you." So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one be justified by the law of God is evident. Therefore, evident for the righteous shall live by faith. There's that quote right out of Habakkuk. And this applies to the people today that think salvation by work. Oh, it's a righteous and holy God that gave the law through Moses. And uh, remember what James said about the royal, you know, you. About the law. It says you, you, you fail in one point. What have you broken? The law. (laughs) You've, you've broken the whole thing. There's no one strike. This is one. If you're going (coughs) salvation by works, the, the name of the game is one strike, you're out. And there's no future at bats. That's it. One strike, you're done. You're done. (laughs) No, no, no. You're not getting three strikes. You're not getting two innings. You get one strike, game over. You're gone. If that's if that's if you're going to play by salvation by works, it's the same thing today. If somebody say, Well, you know, I tried to leave a good life, well, unless you've led a perfect life, forget about it. <laughs> okay? Forget about it. No, you can't. It's impossible. And see, and that's why those are, because the same things today, because see, a holy, righteous God who gave God who gave Moses the law is still the standard. And so one sin, one time, nothing. You, 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 are, you will not be permitted to, to go into the kingdom of God because God requires perfection. You must be perfect. And the only way any human being can be perfectly righteous is if that righteousness is imputed to them. That's it. And that's an act of God salvation. See, that's where the imputation is so important to understand. The imputed righteousness is not our own personal righteousness. That is a struggle. That is part of our sanctification process. Again, I'm kind of moved down the road. But I, see? <clears throat> Bob, this, we're, we're talking around the subject of those that feel that they can lose themselves <clears throat> in the first place. When they
1: understand that Actual act of faith given by grace through God, they understand. Once they understand that doctrine, it makes sense that you didn't make the decision in the first place. Right. Back to the point that was made earlier, I forget who it was about the whole Tula point. Well, in total depravity, you can do nothing. An unconditional election, it's not about you. An irresistible grace, you can't resist. Right? The limited atonement is the that Most people have the problem. With. Yeah, but if you read Scripture long enough, it's like what Les said. If you read Scripture long enough, there is many passages that talk about one that comes to mind when you start to talk about it initially was there are vessels that are created for righteousness and there are vessels that are created for unrighteousness.
0: Yeah, Roman, Romans nine's got some heavy yeah. discussion on
1: One the other. There's no middle ground. And when you when you start like Les was saying, once you start to read the Scriptures. It's on every page almost. It's connected. And I've we have family in our in our distance family that believe you can't lose your salvation, right? And they are, when you mention anything about Calvinism, it's like the fences the go up. The, the So you can't really use the term. You just have to be a biblicist. <clears throat> you just have to know what God says about the subject.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. There's people on the, if you look at, along the internet on different discussions about these sort of things. Um, Calvin is a mean, evil ogre, man. And so would Martin Luther and all those guys, all the reformers. Can you imagine? It? The reformers, those that brought the gospel back to life, <laughs> are, are just spoken evil of in our day. Well, they were spoken evil of in their day, too. You don't just, if you don't believe me, ask Bloody Mary. She She burned a few at the stake. That's how she got her name. Um,
1: but oh. it speaks really to the
0: end of that. It speaks <clears throat> that, that
1: last uh, letter in the, in the acrostic of the perseverance of the saints. That perseverance is not our perseverance. It's a perseverance that's given through grace. Yeah. We it, act in it, right? It's like a hand filling a glove. We're, we're going along with it. But that's given by God. Yeah, We he, couldn't do anything like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. We
0: couldn't do anything but be that. No, and uh, that's, the, that's the only thing we can do. Apart from yeah. Okay, uh, it's it's time already. Well, bring bring them back again, folks. I'll try to recap what we did, and as a matter of fact, I may do a quick run through Romans five twelve to twenty one again, just. You just walk through it, maybe a little slower. I, mean, I might just add an, a special supplemental handout to this one. A to the
1: supplement?
0: Yeah, <clears throat> about Romans 5, 12, 21, and clarify that, because it, it's, it's too important just to leave it late. And thank you, Gary, for bringing it up. No, seriously, thank you for bringing it up, because it is very important stuff. This is... Um, This Understanding this stuff separates the spiritual lightweights from the heavyweights, okay? We want to be heavyweights. We want to be folks of, people of understanding. Because I'll tell you, the more we understand our God, the more we will worship him. And isn't that the bottom line anyway?
1: Yes. And realize his greatness. Uh, yeah.
0: And realize the fact that, you know, we got no claim for anything thank you lord you know just he did it all you know so let's let's close in prayer father god again we thank you for your marvelous magnificent grace and lord may we your people live up to that grace in jesus name and for his glory amen